Hello, and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn Podcast. The podcast where we, Jennifer and... Kalia. Two book nerds talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material. Two warnings. This podcast uses barnyard language. Why limit ourselves to only nice words? Some things warrant not-so-nice words. Also, spoiler warning, we will be talking about the endings of both book and movie, so prepare yourself. Okay. Let's get into it. It's the Pages of Popcorn Podcast. Jennifer and Kelia will edify you. It's the Pages of Popcorn Podcast. Jennifer and Kelia are gonna talk, so you better damn well listen. Welcome to this episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast. Today, we will be discussing Moxie. Moxie is the 2021 American comedy drama film, Netflix film, directed by Amy Poehler. It is based on the novel by the same name by Jennifer Matthew that came out in 2017. So not that long ago, although an eternity depending on <laughs> how you're looking at it. Anyways, yes, that is what we're going to be discussing. But real quick at the top of the episode, just want to say a few things. One, as always, please visit kmmamedia.com slash pages and popcorn podcast, where you will find information about all of these episodes, our show notes, our links, our sources, all that kind of stuff is there. Uh, also on that website is ways for you to support us via buy us a coffee, which is a new little app thing, joining our Patreon which is a thing that you can do, which is pretty cool. And there's information about our monthly pop-in events. And there's information about the big explosion of fun that we're doing right now because we're getting close to 50 episodes of the podcast. So there's some really cool giveaways and interactive stuff all at that website, kmmamedia.com slash pages and popcorn podcast. And you can, of course, find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, pages and popcorn podcast pages pop so check it out and of course you are always welcome to email us at pages and popcorn podcast at gmail.com so that is the end of my announcements <laughs> it was brief this time it was all succinct because i really want to get to this book and movie recap so are you ready jennifer i am let's get into it i feel like i should go rebel girl rebel girl yeah okay i'm going to do our book recap like i said came out in 2017 and it is a ya novel vivian is a high school junior in a texan high school that prizes its football team led by the principal son mitchell above pretty much everyone and everything else the football players are allowed to wear sexist, gross t-shirts to school, verbally harass the other students, mostly the girls, and disrupt class with no consequences. Vivian is bugged by all this, but hey, it's just the way it is. Except suddenly she starts to think, does it have to be this way? There's a new girl in school named Lucy who seems to be upset by all of this, and a new boy in school named Seth, who Vivian likes, and he is definitely not a football player jerk, so... Oh, and Vivian's best friend is Claudia, uh, and who's also way more accepting of how everything is. There's a whole other little gaggle of girlfriends that these two girls have, but we'll get to those in a little bit. Importantly, there's also Vivian's mom, who was a punk rebel in the 90s, alt-girl bands, fighting authority, riot girl, etc., etc. She has mellowed with age and 
being a widow and the whole having to leave Portland and return home to Texas after the Vivian's dad died. So now mom is a nurse and she's pretty settled and Vivian is the dutiful daughter who never rocks the boat. Vivian is bothered. She feels bad for Lucy who gets picked on and hasn't made any friends yet but not enough to do anything until at a pep rally at a before a football game, a football player named Jason, also wearing a gross t-shirt, pelvic thrusts at Lucy, like in her face, just to make her uncomfortable in front of everyone and nobody cares. The principal's like, ha ha ha, silly boys. And Vivian kind of snaps, but only kind of. She takes the rest of the day to simmer a bit and then, gasp, doesn't go to the football game. This is kind of a big deal for her. Instead, she makes a moxie zine and then makes copies of that zine and then takes that to the school on Monday and hides it in the girls' bathrooms. The zine is basically like, hey, are you tired of these boys getting away with being gross? If so, decorate your hands with hearts and stars on Friday. Vivian doesn't really have a plan. She just wants to do something and to maybe feel out the rest of the girls at the school. Of course, this is a big deal at school. Everyone freaks out, like, who made this? And why? And what's who's going to do it? And why? And, ah! Uh, and Claudia is like, ew, feminism. And Lucy is like, let's burn it all down! But most of the girls are pretty confused. On the big day, Vivian and several other girls actually do have the drawings on their hands, including some of the girls of color. Vivian is like, oh my God, feminism can be like, I don't know, for everyone? Wow. Okay, the new boy Seth, he also has the drawings on his hands. The school administration starts doing random, punitive, and really sketchy dress code checks on just the girls and punishing them all willy-nilly, and it is gross. Again, we have the game of responses. Some girls are like, whatever, it's just life. Others are bugged, but accepting. Vivian and Lucy are like, heck no, this is wrong. Lucy, by the way, is becoming better friends with Vivian, and Claudia is jealous. Vivian's grandparents don't get why she's upset, and her grandpa's passive sexist remark lights another fire in Vivian, so off she goes to make another moxie zine. This time, her call to action is to have all the girls wear their bathrobes to school, as that will work within the dress code, but clearly be a big F you to the administration. Again, she makes it in secret and hides it in the bathrooms, and again, the girls all try to figure out who is going to participate. Also, Seth sees her putting them out, and he's all impressed with her, and they flirt, and it's cute. So the big day arrives and a bunch of girls are there in robes. Some of them have regular clothes on underneath and some do not. And it is kind of awesome. The administration is totally confused, but the random dress code checks do stop. Dreamboat Seth asks Vivian out for a hang instead of the next football game. And their date is super cute and sweet. And yet he doesn't try to kiss her at the end. And worse yet, he calls her a friend in true teen angst style. That must mean he doesn't like her. And it is very, very, very YA. And she's very, very, very sad. Then there's a new flyer up at school saying that Moxie is going to have a bake sale for the girls' soccer team. Because of course, they get like no financial support from the school. And Vivian's like, Oh my God, I didn't do that. This moxie thing is bigger than me. It's being co-opted. And she's actually pretty cool with that. Probably because it's her friend Lucy who has done the co-opting. It's a teeny bit funny that this is a bake sale, but the irony is never straight up called out. So maybe that's just me, but I did snicker. Anyway, they have a bake sale and some of the girls of color, the soccer girls, of course, show up and ask if Moxie is for everyone. And Vivian is like, oh yeah, sure, I guess, because her white privilege made her forget that she had white privilege. Oh, hey, look, Moxie is solving race relations. It's almost holiday break and the school is full on bump and grab mode. At least the boys are. The bump and grab is, well, exactly what it sounds like. The boys bump and grab the girls and then either pretend it was an accident or run away so fast the girl can't do anything about it. 
Seth asks Vivian out on a real date, and before she can really process her joy, she is bumped and grabbed by Jason. Like grabbed, her bra strap is snapped. Fuming, she hides in the bathroom where she finds Moxie graffiti, proving again that the Moxie movement has gone beyond her. Later, Seth clarifies, he was still technically with someone else when he asked her out before, but that's all ended for good now, so he's all hers. Hooray. They have an epic date and an epic makeout session. All her friends are happy to hear about it, except for Claudia. No response from Claudia, because apparently, as we eventually learn when Claudia finally surfaces, Claudia was grabbed and groped by Mitchell at school. Like, a lot of groping. Like, under the shirt, pinned up against a wall, and scared and bruised, and yeah, like, straight-up sexual assault. She tried to report it to the Vince principal, but she was told that she should be flattered, and then he just waved her off, telling her to take the break, to just forget about it. Claudia doesn't tell her parents or anyone, just Vivian, and Vivian also decides to not tell anyone, but that fire has been lit again. Cue another issue of Moxie, this time with stickers that say, you're an asshole, and instructions to mark the property of any boy who has been, you know, an asshole. This goes over well with the girls at the school. They are stickering all over boys' lockers and stuff. One guy even gets a sticker to the chest, and the principal gets a few on his car. Okay, now the administration is pissed. There's an assembly for just the girls where the student vice president, a pretty perfect girl named Emma, who has not participated in the hand decorating or the bathrobe thing. She's like very cheerleader perfect and Vivian sort of dislikes her. Well, anyways, she's there with the principal. She gives a lecture to the girls, all the girls at the school about proper ladylike behavior. Also, the principal says that anyone caught doing moxie stuff will be expelled and he will make it hard for them to go to college. Hooray for fear tactics. Lucy's called to the office and then disappears. She has been sent home. They think that she is the mox leader because she organized the bake sale and actually filled out the form, etc. The girls of the school are properly cowed and nothing happens for a bit, except Vivian and Seth are like an official couple and doing lots of making out, and so she's a little bit less of a riot girl. Sometimes he's casually patriarchal and it bothers her, but mostly he is sweet and lovely case in point he's like oh yeah i totally understand the struggle and she's like uh no no you don't you can't and then he makes a stupid joke and then he forgives him because of kissing valentine's day comes and goes and then the girls are at a slumber party now that they have dismantled the dress code checks and the bump and grab it's time to head into march madness where all the girls in the school is ranked as most or least fuckable and there is a quote-unquote winner the boys are not subtle with the ranking and the critiques on the bodies of the girls, it is all over the internet, etc. Lucy, who's still technically kind of new, is horrified about this and wants to rebel rouse, but the other girls are nervous about it and no one wants to get expelled. Vivian talks to Kira, one of those soccer player girls of color, who's like, yo, Moxie would be great right about now, but everyone's afraid, including Vivian. So then Vivian tries to talk to Seth about this, but he's like, well, you know, not all guys. And when Vivian gets upset at that, well, then they end up in a snit. The fire is back under Vivian's butt and she makes a new moxie that is very angry and like moxie girls are watching you, but there's no actual call to action or event. Then she and Seth make up partly because he's like, I'll do better and partly because kissing. Then Kira puts up her own flyers for a moxie party held off campus, like a big girls-only party where they can sell their arts and crafts and dance and just be girls together. Everyone is super excited. Vivian even thinks about inviting Emma, Miss Perfect, but nah, what would that kind of girl want with angry feminists? The party is a huge success. Lots of girl bonding, breaking down of cliques and racial groups, even a few secret lesbians being able to not be sneaky. 
At school, the girls are all united now. There's a sense of less competition and more girl power vibes in the air. And then a new flyer is put up. This one is all, Mitchell tried to rape me and the principal did nothing. Moxie girls walk out on Friday. Everyone is freaking out. The girls want to participate, but they're all scared of being expelled. And Seth is like, wow, that's a big accusation. It could like totally ruin his life. And so then he and Vivian have an actual argument. The administration is like, yo, anyone who walks out will be automatically suspended and then expelled. So you better not walk out. Oh, and they preemptively suspend Lucy so she won't even be on campus so she can't walk out. Vivian finally tells Lucy that it was she, Vivian, who started Moxie. Lucy's actually thrilled. Finally, Vivian talks to her mom, you know, the original rabble rouser riot girl. Her mom is like, yo, this is your decision. I support you either way. Then it's walkout day. Most of Vivian's friends are planning on doing it, but they're scared. So very, very scared. The bell happens. Nothing happens. And then Emma, Miss Perfect, stands up, looks at Mitchell and says, fuck you, and then walks out. And Vivian follows. And so many other girls walk out too. Emma tells the crowd about how Mitchell tried to rape her. There's a huge crowd. They're chanting. There's some boys out there too, including Seth and the math geeks. And then the administration is yelling and trying to write down everybody's names. And it's chaotic and loud. And the girls are angry. And there's a whole I am Spartacus moment of all the girls claiming that they are Moxie. They are Moxie. They are Moxie. And eventually the administration gives up and cancels school for the rest of the day. Lucy wasn't there, remember, but she gathers all the pics and videos of the walkout and blogs about it and sends it to other blogs and media outlets, and it goes viral, and wham! Just like that, things change. Oh, and Seth and Vivian make up. Epilogue! They couldn't expel all the girls. The principal was stealing money. His whole family, including Mitchell, just disappear. Everyone is happy. Vivian even invites Emma to a sleepover, and Emma's all excited to come. Looks like feminism is for everyone after all. The end. Oh, there is a random side plot about Vivian's mom dating a new guy who happens to be a Republican, maybe, and Vivian coming to terms with that, but we'll talk about that later. The end, the end, the end. Okay, movie recap. It starts like a horror film, complete with a teen girl being chased and a silent scream and then waking up. Okay, this is Vivian. It is her first day of junior year in high school, and she is already stressed about her college application essay. We quickly learn that she is a typical teen who gives her mom sass, but also that she's not like the other girls in her school who are all primping and shallow. No, Vivian and her best friend Claudia are happy to fly under the radar and go unnoticed. At school, we see Emma, the head cheerleader, a sassy girl in a wheelchair, the black soccer girl team players, and a new girl with dreads. And of course, there's Vivian and, and Claudia. There's also a gross ranking game going on starting on day one. But again, Claudia and Vivian are both disgusted by it, but also kind of sort of taken part. The football players are gross, no surprise. Seth, by the way, isn't new, but he did grow a bunch over the summer, and so now he is hot, and he flirts with Vivian, and she flirts back, and at one point, he's all skateboarding awesome, and he lifts up his shirt because he's sweaty, and they go, ooh, and they oogle his pecs. <laughs> Nobody even bumps on the fact that they're freaking complaining about this ranking system about the girls, and then they literally turn around and drool over him, whatever. Okay. The new girl with the dreads, that's Lucy. She hates The Great Gatsby, by the way. She kind of makes a good point, but it's also kind of missing the point of the book, whatever. So the class, with the help of uber jerk football player Mitchell, gets into this whole tradition conversation pretty quick, but Lucy's shot down. After school, Vivian and her mom grocery shop, and oh my God, Phil Coulson is there. 
his name is John, but it's Phil Coulson. Oh my God, he's there and he's flirting with his with Vivian's mom. And this is like in my head, Phil Coulson and freaking Leslie Nope flirting in a grocery store. And I, I had to watch the scene a couple of times because I was squealing so hard. Um, there's a whole funny exchange about Vivian's mom really likes milk. And Vivian is like, no, milk is now bad for you. And the mom is like, they will never take away my milk and I'm here for it. There's also a condescending bagger and mom is not taking any of that bullshit. Okay, whatever. Vivian is still worried about her college essay. She has to write about a cause that she believed in. She almost steals Lucy's idea about the great Gatsby and the reading list, but thank God she backspaces and doesn't do that. At school, Mitchell hits on Lucy and is super gross. And when he gets rejected, he spits in her drink because he is an asshole. Lucy complains to the principal, Principal Marlene Shelley. Principal Shelley says that, well, I think he was just bothering you, not harassing you because, I mean, that's a different amount of paperwork. And then she freaking gaslights Lucy and is a total bitch. Vivian talks to Lucy, tells her, you know, just ignore Mitchell. Lucy challenges her. Uh, guys like that are dangerous. Oh, silly, says Vivian. Just keep your head down. He'll bother someone else. But no, Lucy is not interested in that. She wants to keep her head up high. Vivian starts to listen to rebel girl and look through her mom's old stuff including a kick-ass leather jacket with pins and her mom has a lot of things from the riot girl movement like a huge box of flyers and photos and zines it's all about the zines now we're at a pep rally the soccer team is upset because you know they actually win games and they get no money or attention nope all of that goodness is saved for the football team and the cheerleaders the ranking list is posted during this pep rally and everybody's phone buzzes and everybody gets to see it and it's all spammed and Okay, the categories flicker across the screen real fast, but there's things like so-and-so has never been touched. So-and-so is the best hand job, the most down to fuck. Something called FM and K, which I decided not to Google. Somebody gets the best rack and most bangable goes to Emma, that head cheerleader. Vivian is like sitting here realizing in real time how messed up all of this is. And the soccer girl, Kira, gets best ass. Claudia seems actually jealous about this. Vivian gets most obedient. Lucy is a whole new category. It involves the C word that even Netflix won't say. Lucy tries to show the principal who's like, oh no, 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 that's social media. It's not my thing. Sticks and stones, la 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 la. Lucy's not having it. Neither is Vivian who leaves and says she isn't going to the football game. At home, that fire has been lit and Vivian pumps that riot girl music and gets to work. She's reclaiming the moxie word and making her own art project. It's an art montage with angry girl rock music, and I'm here for it. In the rain, Vivian goes to a copy place and makes a shitload, her words, of course, it means 50, copies. And then at school, she's putting them in the bathroom, and then two girls come in, and they find the stack, and soon the zines are all over the school. Mitchell is bullying Lucy, and he thinks that she wrote it. There was dirt bags of Rockport High List in Moxie, which is pretty funny. Anyways, Mitchell takes Lucy's copy, but Vivian gives her another one. And this leads Lucy to hanging out with Vivian and Claudia for lunch. And you can tell that Claudia is A, not happy about this, nor has Claudia seen the zine B, or C, Claudia is not a big fan once she has seen it. There is a call to action. It's the same one, the hearts and stars on the hands. And Claudia is like, uh, but why? What is that going to do? Vivian doesn't know exactly, but there's no question that she is drawing those hearts. Vivian doesn't even tell her mom, and I don't know why. The next day, at first, she sees no hands decorated, and she 
almost washes off hers, but then the soccer team girls come in and Vivian feels connected. Lots of girls are now showing them off, even wheelchair girl. Lucy started a hashtag of Moxie girls fight back and even Seth has them on his hand. The dress code checks begin and they aren't subtle. Big breasted girls get called out and sent home. Vivian is talking to her mom about it all now. How did you protest back in the day? Mom is like, well, we learned, we messed up, but it's better than doing nothing. Then there's high school party time and Claudia and Vivian are there with wine and it's already getting out of hand. And here are the best quotes of this entire freaking movie. <laughs> Hello, disco cat, she says, patting a very large artistic thing in this house. Also the line, how do you know if you're having fun? And then one of my favorites, college parties are probably more composed. <laughs> Anyways, Vivian and Claudia get ushered into a man cave with a bunch of other girls to talk about who and what Moxie is. They bond over the school injustices and they form the Moxie Club. It's the soccer girls, the girl who got best rack. Wiltshire girl is not invited, which totally sucks. And Claudia is there, but she is unimpressed. Cue Vivian riot girl dancing in her bedroom and making another zine and putting them in the bathrooms and getting caught by Seth, who totally figures out that it was her. And he asks for copies for the boys' bathroom. He says that Mitchell is just annoying. He wants to help the boys too. She eventually agrees. Also, he remembers her from kindergarten and it's cute. The call to action this time is to come to school in a tank top. Lucy and Vivian are tank top shopping. And of course they selfie it. And of course, Claudia is jealous and Claudia tries to wear a tank top, but her mom is like super conservative and says no and yells at her and makes her change. So then at school, Claudia pretends that she forgot and isn't into it and it's sad and it almost makes the point about being able to fight the system is in itself a form of privilege. But okay, anyway, so many girls are in tank tops at school. They're breaking down all the click walls. Mitchell finds a way to be gross about the shoulders. The teacher is challenged. He's super uncomfortable. He tries with the platitudes and then he basically gives up and runs away. We don't see the principal's reaction or if anything actually happened because now we're at the next football game and the girls are comparing notes and laughing at the video of their teacher being all flummoxed. Then Principal Shelley's up there announcing, we have a nominee for the this, uh, athletic scholarship competition thing. There's only one nomination. There's only one person running. He's running unopposed. It's Mitchell. No one from the girls' soccer team, obviously. Lucy gets up and nominates Kira, captain of the girls' soccer team. Oh, says Principal Shelley, you need five votes. So Vivian stands up, and then Seth, and then there's another girl, and somebody else, and Kira's taken back, but hey, scholarship money is a good thing, and so it's official. She's running against Mitchell. Claudia bails. Vivian follows her. They have a little snit. Claudia is jealous and upset and storms off. Vivian and Seth bail on the game and hang out eating candy, and it's cute. And then they sneak into a funeral home. There's a lot of flirting. Seth lists all the American dolls up through Kit. He missed Luciana, by the way. Then they like, okay, this is weird, but maybe I'm just old. They lay in a coffin and listen to music. How romantic. He takes her home. There's no kiss. He looks super nervous. Then he admits that he does like her. And then he babbles. And then she kisses him. And it's cute. Then mom is like, yo, I need to meet this boy that you're kissing. Ugh, mom. Cute teen anger attitude. Back to the competition between Kira and Mitchell. They're like, yo, Kira should totally get the money. She wins games. He doesn't. The girls are talking revolution. Emma overhears, but she isn't really invited, so it's awkward, and then she leaves. Moxie officially endorses Kira. There's flyers all over. Claudia joins Moxie by registering them with the school so they can legally hang their flyers and posters up and they won't get ripped down, which is nice. It's a very nice peace offering. So then Vivian and Claudia make up. 
it's even Claudia who gets them into a party space through her volunteering. I think it's like a retirement community of some sort. There's a bunch of old ladies. They have a dance party. It's the Kira is totally about to win dance party. It seems a little premature, but okay. The middle school girl band who plays this party is everything. It's a band called the Linda Lindas. I looked them up. It's awesome. Anyways, Lucy and one of the soccer girls have a kiss and it's awesome. And I almost cried because nothing this good is going to last and you know bad shit is coming. But for now, big party, lots of girls dancing, happy girls being happy. Next day, Mitchell's given a platform to talk about the competition. Of course, they didn't give Kira a chance to talk. Mitchell's like, everybody, I'm a victim. There's a secret group called Moxie. They've bullied me. If you let them win, they could bully you next. Dun, dun, dun. Seth and Vivian's mom meet, and it's funny. It's like this amazing scene again about if milk is bad for you. I'm so with mom. Milk is the bomb, and it's also the hill that I'm going to die on. I didn't realize I was going to rhyme when I wrote it, but it's too late now. Seth and Vivian are at the game, but actually in the car making out. Seth wants to slow down. I mean, he's topless. They're in the back seat, but now he wants to wait. He doesn't want to have actual sex when they're in a car being rushed because they're about to be a football game. So they go to the game. Moxie girls are all together. Uh, Mitchell wins the competition. I'm unclear if the voting happened at the school or at the game, but the girls all cry. Vivian drinks the champagne that she had anyway. And then she's really sad and by herself for some reason, and she drinks even more. And then she comes home early and drunk, and she catches mom with John, a.k.a. Phil Coulson, and she's bitter. And then she pukes. Then Vivian makes more moxie. And this one is like, you're, this is the one that has the you're an asshole sticker issue. And she goes to town on the school with the stickers, and the girls get really, really into it. Mitchell is all over it. He's wearing these stickers with pride. Vivian gets in trouble for the stickers. In the principal's office, in the Moxie issue, Moxie has called out Principal Shelley, and Principal Shelley is bitter. There are also stickers on Principal Shelley's car, and she's in full-on covered-up mode. Vivian steals a trophy from Shelley's desk. Then conversations with her mom. There are like no consequences for her being drunk, except I guess they need to have a family dinner where mom can meet the boy and she can give John slash Phil Coulson an actual, you know, chance. Sure. At school, Claudia has gotten suspended from Moxie since she's the one who registered the club. The Moxie club thinks that it's not that big of a deal, but Vivian knows it's a huge deal because she knows Claudia's mom. So Vivian talks to Claudia through her window because her mom won't let her in the house. And oh my God, Claudia already knows that Vivian started Moxie and she's hurt that Vivian didn't tell her. Claudia points out that as a first generation person, her going to college is a really fucking big deal and her risks are really big and much bigger than Vivian's. And she calls Vivian a coward. Again, the point about being able to fight as a form of privilege is there, but I'm not sure if it's bonk bonk enough because Vivian certainly doesn't seem to actually comprehend it. Whatever, Vivian's angry and it's family dinner time with Seth and John and Vivian is a jerk, like really, really, really jerky. And I'm not really sure why she's so extra angry right now. Like, yes, their setbacks happens and it's like, but this is toddler level fit throwing. Vivian, I, it's like she's never faced disappointment before. Okay, her mom calls her on her bullshit, thank goodness. But Vivian tells her mom about Moxie finally and says, it's your fault because you made me think I was strong but I'm not. And then something about why doesn't my dad want to spend time with me, which is so out of left field. And then mom just leaves her alone because she needs her space. And I'm over here going, what the hell? Okay. So now it's at school and Vivian tries to make it up with Seth, but he's not having it. He calls her on her bullshit and it's great. 
So now she goes to the bathroom to look longingly into her own eyes, and then she finds a letter addressed to Moxie. In it, a girl says that she was raped and didn't come forward because she was scared. You, Moxie, get things done. No one knows who you are. Can you help me from one anonymous girl to another? Vivian thinks and thinks and can't sleep, and then she gets up. And as another art montage with slightly sadder music, she's painted rape port on the school wall in the school of Rockport, remember? Okay. And then she posts a social media call for a walkout to show support for the girl who was raped. Okay, it's time. The girls march out. So many girls. Vivian's banging on the walls. It's fucking revolution and it's being streamed. The crowd is fig. The crowd is angry. And then suddenly they're all outside and Vivian's like, oh shit, I guess I need to do something. So she stands up on a thing and she makes a speech. I'm not brave. I'm not a leader. I hate that we're ranked and assaulted and no one listens. That's why I walked out today. And then she admits that she started Moxie. And they, all the girls start to get into it. I am Moxie. I am Moxie. I am Moxie. And zing, it's Emma who wrote the note. She discloses to the group that Mitchell raped her. She says that she's angry and she wants to scream. The girls encourage that. And pretty soon they are all screaming. Shelly pulls Mitchell out of class. Claudia shows up and they make up very quickly. Mom is there too, smiling. So she's proud. So I guess they've also technically made up. And then Vivian looks over at Seth and mouths that she's sorry. And and then he smiles, so I guess that's all taken care of. And then there's some more speeches. And then there's a very long shot of Vivian's face, like a very long lingering shot. And then there's a dance party with all the girls dancing and dressed up and celebrating. And, and then that's the end. There's no actual epilogue. <laughs> the end. I do want to add that one of my favorite jokes is when she and her mother are in the store and they meet the guy and he's like, oh, well, I picked you these leaks. And he's kind of nerdy and cute about it. At the dinner scene, there are leeks in the vase yes. instead of flowers. Yes. And that was just really cute. It was a tiny little joke, but it was really adorable. It was super adorable. I really liked Amy Polner. I really liked that Phil Coulson stuff. <laughs> um, John, I guess his name is John. Clark Gregg, I think, is the actor's actual name. But to me, he will always be Phil Coulson from the Avengers movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's interesting because he's kind of well-known. Amy Poehler is well-known. Marsha Gay Harden, pretty well-known. But all the teenagers were very uh, unknown actors. So I thought that was, that was interesting casting choices that were made. There. Okay, so where do you want to start? Because I think we both have some strong opinions here. Let's, I mean, let's start with the book. I like to go in order. So the book had some good and some bad, right? Would you agree with that? Or are you? Yes, okay. I am nodding. Oh, yes, okay, sorry. Which probably doesn't work well in a podcast. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah, no, the book had some really interesting stuff to say. And I there was some stuff in it that I really, really liked. There were more episodes. There were episodes. There were more issues of Moxie. And they were actually in the book. So you could see the pictures. They, they showed them pretty fast on the screen of the movie. And there were fewer of them. We should start with the themes. The main theme here is feminism, right? And the book and the movie treat feminism similarly, but slightly differently than each other, which is interesting. So in both cases, you have, you have a white girl who gets radicalized, sort of, by the idea of it, it doesn't matter and it's not that big of a deal until it happens to me. 
first of all, that's a dangerous thing because that is what lends to like in-group, out-group thinking. And then you don't fight for policies for other people because if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect you. And that's not ideal, right? We should be empathetic and we should fight for people to have rights, even if that doesn't affect us or maybe takes away some of our own privilege. I forgive that in a YA novel because it is somebody who's growing and developing. And when you're young, this is maybe how you start getting involved in things. So as an older person, you can say, well, this is important because X, Y, Z. As a younger person, it usually has to start out of, oh, this is how it affects me. This is how it affects the world. And then you can you know, make that into a bigger thing later on. No, and I, I get that. And it, I mean, it's good. People need to get challenged, right? Then, and I think that the way they handled it in the movie was actually really good because what it was, was Vivian trying to reach over to Lucy and be like, hey, let me give you this tool. <laughs> you might not have ever thought about just putting your head down and, and keeping quiet. And Lucy was like, yeah, no, I've thought of that. I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to do it. And and that that kind of wakes Vivian up a little bit. So like, getting called on it in a, in a way and getting shown like oh hey this isn't how it has to be was kind of her her fire lighting moment over there uh but i mean we all we all have to get woken up at one point for whatever however it works it is just interesting that that is it's definitely a component of uh, being radicalized is is whether or not it's affecting you or affecting your close-knit group so i thought the book did that well like it wouldn't have been believable if she just woken up one day and been like i'm gonna change the world for you know no particular you know what i mean the mom was really radicalized in the 90s but then she had like mellowed way out and so you can imagine that she would have been raising vivian in, in a way with a lot of exposure, like she was talking about the patriarchy, she was, you know, all of that language was part of the context, you know, this is wrong and this is injustice, blah, blah, blah. But it, in her own way, Vivian was kind of rebelling, you know, kids are always the opposite of their parents in a lot of ways. So like when her mom was like this way to the end of the spectrum of fighting things and Vivian kind of went the other direction, which is like the dutiful daughter I just I thought that was interesting to play because we we think about the way we raise our children we want them to be similar to us but we have to know that they're probably going to be different than us you know like my daughter doesn't curse at all I mean you know she's eight but I, I think that really varies there are a lot of kids who just hold on to the values that their parents gave them yeah so I'm raising a daughter and she uh, loves rules and following the rules and doesn't rebel, you know, uh, yet she's only eight, give it time. But I feel like part of the reason is because she knows that, uh, that we're doing that and that we have done that. And she's being raised in a context where equality and justice is really important. And she knows that we have her back. And so in the same way, Vivian was raised by her mom who, you know, had been a leader in feminist movement in the past. And so I think it's really cool that Vivian went to her mother's past as, you know, form of inspiration and was able to, you know, literally stand on the shoulders of past feminist movements in order to make positive change in her present day. And again, it's disappointing she didn't talk to her mom about it at first, which is weird, but whatever. Um, but the fact that she was able to access that stuff, and I thought that makes a really good point about how feminist movements need each other. Again, you know, empowered women empower women. I just thought that was really cool. Yes. So it's a story of discovery. So that's a strong part in frame of both uh, story of both book and movie. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the other thing that's in both is the, uh, so not just feminism, 
but like the different ways of feminism. And I liked mm-hmm. that we also had that in both, like there's the angry feminist, right? Um, and we need that, but we also need like the person who's gonna quote unquote work within the system to fill out the form and register something and, you know, like kind of maybe get things done in a different way too. And that there's no real wrong way to be a feminist. It, they did it better in the book. They actually talked about the word feminist and Claudia was really resistant to it. And eventually she kind of came around to her understanding of what the word actually means without the negative connotation. Yeah. And it's really good to see how feminism has grown and, you know, put it in a context. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when um, wearing high heels and lipstick was, you know, that's the patriarchy. And then third wave feminism said, you know, I can be sexy and smart. They aren't mutually exclusive. So it, it's important to see how this has evolved, how the conversation has evolved. Right. And, uh, you know, in, in the book, there was a couple moments of weird intersectionality in terms of race. I, you know, Vivian kind of gets it. Oh, feminism isn't just for me. You know, it's it affects these <laughs> these girls of color, like the black girls at my school and the Latina girl at my school. Like, wow, they deserve feminism too. But like, it hadn't really occurred to her. And very juvenile but understandable you're like of course it didn't occur to you because of course it didn't occur to you you know and I I kind of liked that it was there and she wasn't just perfect you know she didn't figure it all out and then was at the a game you know right away but I that but then we have the movie where the intersectionality I feel like they were like okay we have to have you know x number we got to have this token and then we have the token girl in the wheelchair who then doesn't actually do anything she's not even gets to be part of moxie she's just kind of there in the background and then completely forgotten yeah she has some really funny lines yeah and that's about it she's basically as forgotten as the movie makes her yeah yeah and i mean i was looking for her at the final scene because they're all standing around and i'm like that girl in the wheelchair can't see what's going on because she's not in the front like where is she i didn't even see her in the end scene that's kind of the irony is that she was put in the back and banned and she's like, of course I am. Yeah. And then in the movie, she's put in the back. Yeah. So that was, that was weird. It was like, why, why have this here if then you're going to ignore it? My biggest thing uh, when I was watching the film, the first thing that occurred to me is one of the mi- major mistakes is why is Lucy not the protagonist? Well, she wasn't the protagonist in the book. Yeah, but she's so much more interesting in the movie. Uh, so if yes. you're looking at the movie, yeah, she's she's thoughtful. Well, she's interesting. She's coming to a new area where the rules are different. She's not the protagonist because this is literally a movie about white girls getting woken up. And this movie is, <laughs> it's freaking white feminism. Um, I like that it didn't have as many pitfalls because- Thankfully, Vivian is okay with it being co-opted and being like evolving into something that's more inclusive. She encourages Lucy to stand up and talk. She makes space for Lucy and the other girls in, in a much more tangible way in the movie than she did in the book at all. But it, it did feel like, okay, so this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Vivian this very, very white privileged girl deciding that something should change because it certainly wasn't going to change with Lucy being upset about it, you know? And of course there are points to be said about working within the system and yada, yada, but it was, yeah. And and I really do feel like Lucy was really important to her for the first half of the movie. And then she really just gets regulated off and she's one of the lesbians. So let's like, let's, that happens too, but it's just so 
uh, non-consequential. you'll miss it. Yeah, well, yeah, she kisses a girl and then the girl smiles and then they kiss and then there's like no other mention of it. And it, it was like, well, why is that? Because that's like, okay, Lucy's the angry feminist because she's queer and black. And then this girl's an angry feminist because she's part of the soccer team and she's queer and black and, you know, and da 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 And then I had a couple of problems with this movie, but her anger towards the end seemed so toddler, so... I've never been disappointed. I've never had to deal with, it seemed like a lot and it wasn't her. Like, why didn't we follow Kira? Kira lost that competition. And, and then we don't really ever hear from her again. She's just kind of done. Her part of this, of Vivian's journey is over. She's just there to make Vivian angry on, on Kira's behalf. Like you're also hitting into the trope of, you know, white savior. Yeah. Yes. And the black characters are already woke they're already like with it and lucy was so articulate you know she says straight up this is how things are and even if we don't always agree with her she has an opinion that's well thought out Mm -hmm. and so why isn't it her story because she's there to wake up the white girl yeah you know yeah it was that that's another trope of, of the magic negro yep and and the soccer girls too were were like you said they were already woke they were already pointing out the injustices and the unfairness aspect and whatever but they don't get a voice until the white girl has a voice to give them yeah even though she wasn't really all that woke to begin with so that's why it i get that they're basing this off the book but you can make changes and well that would have been a pretty big just such a much more compelling character <laughs> yeah I, and i i mean it works kind of okay so you know how if you have a character who makes a stupid thing and you're like okay but that's the author tell like showing us the pitfalls of this bad decision but the character mm-hmm. has to like understand that it was a bad decision or it just looks like oh that's fine blah 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 nobody cares so in the book at one point vivian like totally loses her feminist zeal because she's got a boyfriend now right she's so happy she's getting all the kisses she just doesn't care about the cause or anything else which is totally understandable as a teenager as a trope as a like i mean it's a thing right and we all can't be angry all the time and we have to prioritize and it's fine it's not the end of the world i just wish it had been called out at some point like somebody one of her friends had said you stopped caring when you got a boyfriend and she could have had a moment of introspection because I didn't feel like either Vivian in the book or the movie really had a lot of moments of introspection. It was, it was very surface and performative. I'm going to listen to this music and dance around, but she wasn't really thinking it through. It was the soccer team. that was like girls who were like, this is an actual thing we could solve. We could raise money for the soccer team. This is a thing we could solve. We could have Kira, you know, compete and maybe get scholarship money. Like, this is a thing we could solve. We could have an event for the girls all to get together, blah, 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 blah. Vivian was more like, let's put hearts on our, you know, her one thing that she did that actually like had a a big effect was the bathrobes. And I freaking love the bathrobes as the FU to to the dress code over the tank tops. Okay, so I like the tank tops uh, because there are real issues with that. There are girls who have been sent home for having tank tops. Yes, that is a legit yeah. thing that happens. <laughs> I, I came across this one article where a teen was reportedly told she violated the dress code for being bustier and plus sized. And her shirt's fine, but because she's bustier, she has to dress more modestly than other girls. Not an isolated incident. I mean, to bring it into our personal lives, my kindergartner was forced to change at school because she was wearing a shirt that showed 
she had a, it was a high neck, but it had thin straps and her shoulders were exposed. Her best friend was wearing one of those shirts that literally have the cutouts and her shoulders were okay. No more skin was being shown, but my kid in kindergarten had to put on a special t-shirt or was it first grade? It might've been first grade. I'm sorry. I think it was first grade. Um, special, oh, that makes all the difference. Yes, it really does. She was six, right? A, a special, and she was called to the door of her classroom. Okay. So interrupting class. And then the male teacher who wasn't actually, te- he's like a, not the vice principal, but he's like some other staff guy who has a lot of authority at the school, called her to the door and then said that her, it wasn't appropriate what she was wearing and that she could either go to the bathroom and change, or she could change right there. And he was handing her this big t-shirt meaning he meant for her to like, you know, like she would go and take off her shirt and put on this, but she thought he meant like, take off my shirt right here and put on this. So she ended up putting this other shirt on over top of her tank top girl. It was a hundred degrees. So now she's wearing double layers. And when I got there to pick her up in the afternoon, she's wearing this huge thing. She is, her face is all red and hot because it's so hot. And I, I was fucking livid. She doesn't go to that school anymore for a lot of reasons, but the dress code thing was a thing because I'm sorry, they're first graders. Like, shut up. Well, there's also something to be said. We live in an area that gets extremely hot. (laughs) Yes. You know, there's reasons why Californians are kind of known for, you know, worrying a little bit less because it's fucking hot. Yes. The the point is valid. Dress code violations and dress codes are, are like, they just tend to be sexist and they tend to be bad. And there's been a lot of stuff. And in the last 20 years, the last 10, even in the last five, there's been a lot of inroads made about it. The fact that in the book, they were like, we're going to follow the letter of the law and put on bathrobes to draw attention to the stupidity of the stress code by technically not breaking any rules. The bathrobes are definitely more a call to attention. Yes. The the bathrobes put the focus on the dress code policy itself and like the ridiculousness of it. Whereas the tank tops are like, you don't want us to show skin? We're going to show the skin. And then of course you got people like Mitchell who get to be like all excited about it and make gross comments. But yeah, no, I just, I, I like that. That was my favorite call to action uh, in, in the book. Uh, and yeah, I just want to point out because there's so many great examples of women who just get tired of bullshit. So there was a Cornell student who stripped during her thesis because one of the professors said, well, you know, you shouldn't be wearing that outfit. She was like, well, fuck you. And she went down to her underwear and bra and presented the rest of her thesis. There's lots of cool ways to fight dress codes for sure. And, and they should be fought because they are based on patriarchal sexist bullshit stuff about boys not being able to control themselves. But I liked the fact that the bathrobe wasn't about the bodies. It was about the big F you to the, the stupidity of the dress code. And I like the heart and flowers or stars and what a stuff on the hands. That's super cute. Um, very visual, very nineties riot girl thing. Cause that was a thing. So there was, there was definitely a, a thing with that. And then when I was in college too. So with the movie, I just want to say, it feels like there are a lot of missed opportunities when you almost had a really good discussion and then just didn't quite do it. Mm-hmm. So Claudia's situation where she tried to wear a tank top and then her mother yells at her and she can't and then she has to pretend that well uh yeah i i just forgot ha 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 right and it's so sad because she could have said i tried and my mom wouldn't let me like attempting to fight and being stomped down 
doesn't make it any less of a thing that you tried to fight, right? Like that. <sighs> and you said it earlier, it shows a lot of privilege that Claudia doesn't have. Mm -hmm. So I, I loved it when she came up the other day and she's like, well, let me fight in my own way because that is the smart lesson as the waves of feminism have evolved mm -hmm. is, well, everyone has to do this thing. And that excludes a lot of women who maybe don't want to do that thing. Exactly. And I think yeah. it also was like, you know, when, when she got suspended and the girls were like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a suspension. And Vivian knew, no, no, this is a really big deal. This is a bigger deal to Claudia. You know, Vivian getting suspended because of Rebel Girl, I mean, we saw her mom, right? Like we knew her mom wouldn't be as upset as Claudia's mom would be. And that again, like that's that privilege of not just your coloring and your and your gender and yeah, your whatever. situational context is yes, important. Exactly. Exactly. Did you cotton on that the girl who was trying out for the musical that that girl was trans? Yeah, it was I got that from the notes. I didn't get that from the movie. Okay, I this is how I got it. She says at one point, there's a girl, she's femme presenting. And she says, nobody will call me by my new name. That to me, having enough trans friends and, and being part of the LGBT community means, okay, you have transitioned. Like that's like a, like a, a non-subtle way of just being like, okay, something's changed. And then when she was trying out and they called her CJ and I was like, got it, uh, an androgynous name. And then the fact that we bothered to get to see her trying out for the girl's lead in that musical because that was the extent of her her part she was there in the little moxie club group she complained that nobody called her by her new name and then there she was trying out so like i knew it had to be relevant otherwise why would we have her there and okay yes trans so so with your background that's a flying neon sign of this person's trans right. if you don't have that background it's like well, what it's, that's yeah it's weird yes and and that's kind of some of the problems with this movie was again we have a girl in a wheelchair that doesn't do anything but be in a wheelchair she's a little sassy and then she gets forgotten we have a trans character who's technically there with enough to give us in the lgbt community who might be super you know vigilant and aware to know that she's there but not enough and there was a couple other moments too where i was like did this black character over here even ever get a name like all of this stuff i feel like there was a list they were like this book is too white feminism and not inclusive enough so let's make a list and then let's make sure that we've got one of each of all these things so we can have a very diverse cast huzzah but they didn't really like <laughs> think it all the way through or really utilize yeah, those it's, characters hinted at but not really confronted and i think if they were smarter about confronting it, it would have been a much better film. Right. Well, and even the thing with, with John, with the boyfriend in the book, pretty quickly, she's like, she sees his car. He's got this thing, like a Republic. It's, it's literally a candidate's name on his car. And she's like, whoa, that's the Republican candidate. Mom, you're like a freaking Democrat. Are you okay with this? And she and her mom have a couple of conversations about it. And, and part of Vivian's angst about John in the book is that he's a Republican and he's so different than what her mom is and what her mom stands for and blah, 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 blah. And part of it is that, you know, her dad is dead and like, you know, she's a teenager and she doesn't want to think about her mom having sex or having a relationship and she's a self-centered teenager. Okay. In the movie, we don't get any of that until the dinner. She just straight up doesn't like John from the beginning for no reason, even though he makes a great, funny, good impression with the freaking leaks in the store and he's still Coulson, but okay. She doesn't like him. 
And then she's like, you have an American flag on your car. Do you love America? Do you love it even though it's shit? And then she like yells and there's like no context. And then the next thing she says is, why doesn't my daddy love me? And you're like, what the hell movie? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it just, oh my God. Yeah, so there's a little line where he puts her down of just like, yeah, you're just really being a bitch to people who don't deserve it. Yeah. And that's more that she gets than from her mother yes there was no consequence she comes home drunk no consequences she like has that whole meltdown at the table no consequences and i was just like this is not okay also i mean now that we're really in it we're in it the movie just ends there's i mean yeah there's no resolution the the principal like here's this this verbal accusation somehow like she's inside and the girl is standing outside and she's like mitchell raped me and the principal goes and pulls him out of class and we are like going to extrapolate from that that a he's actually held accountable i'm sorry no and b that maybe he loses that scholarship because they talked about that a whole lot but that is me giving this movie way more credit than this movie gave me as a viewer and that was so jarring at the end like it's handled much better in the book it's well it's- done much more sensitively the in the movie it was just like i was raped out of nowhere and then we're going to have a party yes yes the jarring part was the the party it was and just to stand up like that as a victim and yeah that's in front of that was just it was that was kind of cringy for it me it was a little hard to believe um and they ramped that up so in the in the book we had a we had a culture of of groping and handing and touching and like multiple things that these boys were doing it it like escalated throughout the year and then we got to the biggest thing was claudia's sexual assault which was never reported officially and she didn't even tell her parents about it which i'm still very bitter about but then the attempted rape of emma in the movie we go from like conversations about tradition and what we should read and shouldn't read spitting in somebody's soda basic bullying yeah basic bullying and then he raped me like there's there's no escalation it is it's severe it's you know it yeah the most you get is like the phone list of most bangable girl right most improved chest and that's the extent of like the sexual harassment and that's on the first day of school and then this thing is like several months later you know what I mean? And it's just, I, the book did a better job of capturing like the culture of negativity in this school and the culture of misogyny, the boys with their disgusting t-shirts, you know, and, and the teachers, you know, giving them sway and the, the principal being the father. And like, it was this institutionalized thing. The only part of that I really didn't like in the book was they were like, oh, by the way, they were stealing money and they all left. And I'm like, so they, they also, A, have no consequences and B, why did we have to make him an embezzler? It's bad enough. You don't have to like make him you don't have a to bad add, guy. Yeah. It should just be enough that this is the thing. One of the things that bothered me, um, and this is a real life thing, uh, is Betsy DeVos as you know the secretary of education did relax uh, rape and sexual assault laws on campuses. So that was something that was going on politically at this time. and. You know, there's there's a lot to be said about girls being disempowered about sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was watching the movie and she stands up, the first thing that goes through my mind is what everyone says is she's doing it for attention. She's lying. She just wants to ruin this guy's reputation. That's not addressed. Right. That's a big part of rape culture is how it's excused. Well, 
and the, and here's the thing. She said he did this months ago. I didn't report it. The teacher pulls him out of the class. And then like, again, there's nothing. So we don't even know. But why would we think that Principal Shelley would care now? Because she hasn't cared up till this point. You know, like this is now the magic word. So now we're like, okay, unless, unless you say rape, no one's going to listen to you. So she couldn't have just been an attempted rape. It couldn't have, sexual assault, like being groped wasn't enough. That's like, bad enough. That's a yeah. bad message to send to the viewers that like, oh, it has to be this. And we missed the whole thing, which we had in the book, which was Seth going, I don't know, man, that's a pretty big accusation that could like ruin his life, which is an important part of the conversation because that is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like Yes. <laughs> yeah seth isn't like the perfect guy he does have like a misstep here and there and he needs to be called on it yeah he's like i don't know human like he yeah i mean the actor is adorable yeah but he he should have like a little glowing halo yeah revolving was, around just because he he was he was really adorable but he was you know woke as fuck more so than vivian well and again though you know why it's he thinks this big deal he has like three or four older sisters so you know that's why he's woke you know it's very explained early on you know he's like of course i'm a feminist because i have sisters it's like the guys who are like i believe in women's rights i am the father of a daughter and if i'm the father of a daughter <laughs> you know blah 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 and it's like fuck you man like but again, like that's part of it that this movie just totally skips. And you know what this movie does do? It, it, it leaves out a bunch of important things, but it has time to put in a fucking nightmare horror movie beginning that has no- Yeah, it had nothing to nothing. do with anything. She was like, what, nervous about starting school? Why? And then the other thing was the college essay, which also just could drop down. Lost. Why did we need it at all? We didn't need it. Ugh. It needed a little bit more context. Like if she knew that this was a problem, but didn't know how to articulate it, that would have been some really cool character de development of, yeah, it doesn't make me feel good, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Well, and then like, again, though, having her talk to her mom, like, okay, I just, I can't buy that Vivian growing up with her mom it bothers me that she doesn't talk to her mom about it in both cases. In the book, it's because she's mad at her mom for dating a Republican, which is stupid. Um, but that's like why she doesn't want to talk to her mom. And again, talk about missed opportunities. You could have had a thing like things aren't always says black and white. You know, there are moderate Republicans who are not evil Cretans. There are, you know, leftist people who are assholes. Like, you know, there's good and bad in every, yeah, whatever. Unless you're a Nazi, there's no good over there. But you know what I mean? Like there's there's good <laughs> in all the groups. So like you can have relationships and friendships and you know, all that stuff with, you know, people on the other side of the aisle. You can have difference of opinions. It doesn't make you an enemy. And her mom tries to get that in the book. She's like, you know, I voted for this person. He voted for that person. But basically it's all politics. Like they both want what's best for the state, blah, blah, blah. And Vivian's like, not willing to budge you know she's got this very black and white you're either for me or against me blah 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 but she doesn't really ever get to a point towards the end where she's like realize that there's subtle shades of gray it's never really acknowledged and it should have been and then in the movie we just drop that all completely and she just doesn't talk to her mom because she's a typical teenager and i'm sorry that beginning thing where her mom's like i want a picture of you on the first day of school and she takes a picture of her mom is just cruel as a mother i'm like what the hell not okay i would totally do that as a teenager if my mom made me do that she's typical teenager that's like her whole character in this movie is that she's a typical teenager uh, so she's gonna be sassy and rude and drink 
champagne straight from the bottle and stay in a coffin and, and yeah lay in a coffin and listen to music which is you know it made me think of 90s films where all teenagers hung out in a couch in the middle of nowhere <laughs> like there's this big field and a couch and that's where they yeah. all hang out and I'm like that couch would be nasty cold wet yes. disgusting uh, yeah yeah. yeah it's just we want to be edgy yeah, so let's be edgy in the coffin and also somehow that coffin was wide enough that they could both lay in there without being like pelvic to pelvic right it was a very g-rated coffin in there <laughs> which was also stretched the credulity a smidge yeah i think it would have been like cooler if like he had a cousin who you know, worked at it like a marina or an aquarium and you know you, you could go through all these lights and explore it. just if you want to do something different you know you can't without it being right weird. well and i mean there are there are teenagers and teenage things the edginess of like because i remember being a teenager and not being obsessed with death but like definitely being mindful of death and like if vivian or seth yeah. had either one of them been that kind of teenager a little goth a little emo you know what i mean like going and be like oh pick out a coffin what does it say about you based on what color you pick or something but it literally was just like here's this place we can like walk around and i know that they did it because in the book they they were on their date and this little town in texas everything shuts down because everyone's at the football game so literally nothing's open and seth is new so they're like cruising she tells him like the big thing in town is to cruise the sonic and he's like oh, okay i don't want to do that so let like so he's like well here's the big parking lot we can drive around in circles in this parking lot it happens to be the funeral home we're cruising the funeral home that's funny right because it's like built yeah. in but this was just like hey let's go hang out <laughs> i don't know yeah and they and they made it not texas but a california high school which i also thought was a choice yeah, there's a different culture, and the football thing in Texas makes a, a lot more sense. A lot more, especially since this team couldn't win a game to save their lives, right? Like, but they're still getting like massive amounts of perks yeah, and privileges. It, like they get to eat free at like the best Italian restaurant yeah, in town. All of the stuff. Yeah, I was just like, no. I mean, this works in Texas. Uh, yeah, it. I did <laughs> like the gender change of the principal to be principal Shelley was you know or Marlene Shelley I thought that was a smart choice because it shows that like not all women are part of feminism not all Want women are kind of on yeah, the team no, for sure there are a lot of women who support patriarchy because it's a system and yep. it, it either it's working for them or even if it's not working for them great it's better than the alternative or they want to be the cool girl or the chill girl or you know whatever yeah it's conditioning there's a lot of reasons mm -hmm. for it but that was smart in that it's not just girls against boys it can be just women trying to find equality in a world men and women who don't understand that this is yep. a problem yep no for sure that was i think one of my favorite changes i do have a list let's see here I think I've already settled things I disliked. Most of them are on the the college essay, the nightmare at the beginning, the resolution, the okay. I've already said all my most of my stuff that I didn't like. The stuff I liked. The band was awesome. The, the Linda, Linda Lindas. Oh my God, so good. Um, I also liked. I thought the acting was good. Yeah, considering that they're teenagers and they're mostly unknown, mostly unknown they did yeah. a good job. Um, let's see here. I liked the Claudia stuff. I okay. Here's a weird thing. They cut out in the book, she has more than just Claudia as friends, which I thought was important. She had a group of friends. So she wasn't this like 
under the radar loner weirdo nerd girl right she was like part of not the it crowd but like you know mid-level right in the movie she seemed a little mm -hmm. less than mid-level she seemed a little whatever but in the in the book they got rid of her little group of friends they put it all into claudia uh, okay casting but then they added bradley the mascot why why did we have so much weird i didn't even put him in my recap he's so inconsequential but we had a lot of airtime with this random dude named bradley who was the mascot who got picked on by the football team that was very confusing i guess it was supposed to be a little bit of comic relief but yeah it's like okay he hurt his wrist and please don't high five right him. also he it was his house that, that had the high school party which i mean do we that do we was need... the most well organized high school party i've ever seen in my life and his house was oh, awesome oh my god okay here's the thing i I went to high school parties in high school. I went to high school parties with drinking in high school. I went to high school parties with drinking and too many people and kegs. Like I did that. They've never looked like they do in the films and TV and movies ever, ever, ever. And this one just was, it was excessive. And also, is there a rule somewhere that says if you're in a high school movie, you have to have a high school party because a lot of people didn't go to high school parties like this. This is not the experience of a lot of people in high school, right? It's not necessary. And what did I was wondering if they were going to have the big showdown with the dance at the end because it always happens at the prom <laughs> dance. Although I do like, what was it? Disco Cat. Disco, Disco Cat, Cat was cool. Disco Cat was cool. Disco Cat will never die. <laughs> Best prop in the whole movie. Okay, so both the book and the and, and the movie both had, I think, an issue with their ending. And both, I thought, like, the endings were too pat. I would love to have a movie book that ends messy, like the world. Mm -hmm. Because you have, you know, say, you know, the girl does finally file for sexual harassment. And to show the ugliness of that, because that's the reality that people have to face. The other thing was um, with the trans character, there's so much that could be said about that considering, you know, turfs exist. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, and... That wasn't in the book. They 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 shoehorned a trans character into this movie and then made it like a non-thing. Again, I feel like just so they could tick a box off. Yeah, of a... you could have a conversation with one girl saying, oh, wait, he's in my bathroom. And then somebody else standing up, yeah, because she has every right to be there. And you know, have that conversation that's really necessary. Can I be part of Moxie too? Yes. Boom. Done. You know, something. But to just yeah, not, and and then to have it be chosen, like who gets chosen to be part of the Moxie group and who doesn't? We leave off the girl in the wheelchair for some unknown reason, and we leave off Emma. Now for that, they have a reason. They figure, oh, you know, she doesn't want to do this. She's she's benefiting so much from the system that she would never want to shake it down, which is flawed, obviously. But it it definitely is a thing that happens in feminism and in a lot of you know social movements you're like oh they wouldn't want to do this they did it did and people can surprise you so i like that in the book it was a little bit more clear because at the end they're like we're going to be friends we're going to hang out and and vivian even has this thing she's like she's just a girl in high school just like me you know and she finally kind of gets to this place of course she does that with the fellow white girl <laughs> like she can't <laughs> whatever okay but in the movie because we just end on that the walkout and then the big weird montage of them dancing we don't know what happens we don't know if emma gets to be included and in part of it and like except you know we don't we just don't know and i just i found i found the ending really such a letdown the whole last 20 percent of this movie was such a letdown because it was going along so good and then it just all fell apart 
in the book, I liked how she was, she had her moments of, of cowardice and insecurity. Mm-hmm. So in the walkout, she's like, okay, I have to stand up. I have to stand up. And she can't. And I like how human that is. That even though you're trying to do a thing, it's still scary. Well, and in the book too, like she's like the beginning, she's like, you know, I felt bad for Lucy sitting over there all by herself, but not bad enough to invite her to sit with me because that's a risk I didn't want to take. I didn't want my friends to think about me, blah, 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 you know? And that is, it's very real and it's very understandable and universal. And it's how you grow as a person is to have those experiences of, oh yeah, I really didn't like it when I did that. Yeah. Looking back, I wish I'd done something different. Regret. That's what makes you an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, was this book worth your time? Was this movie worth your time? Go! For teenagers, this is a good book as an introduction to what feminism is and and issues that come about. Uh, The movie I thought was earnest. At times it was very cute, but it ultimately fails. Okay. I will say, I think this book is good if you are already on the path of wokeness, feminism, rah, rah, rah. Because if you're not, I feel like this book would be very easy to say, all of this shit happened in one high school. This is so unbelievable. What's going on in my life isn't like this. Therefore, it's not so bad. This is so overblown and cartoony that it doesn't affect me. It's not real. It's obviously fake, la, 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 and then not really take in the actual messages of it. That being said, if you are waking or inclined, or if you are one of us, then you're fine. You'll be fine. You'll enjoy this book because it won't be teaching you something. It'll be that entertainment of, oh, this is cute and fun. And it's like, it has a nice ending and we get to see girl power. And some of us get to like relive a little bit of our 1990s alt girl punk, you know, stuff, which is fun. The movie, I think, again, is, is very surface. Um, it's a little, it's disappointing if you're expecting more, but if in my, my opposite view for the movie than the book is I feel like the movie is more suited if you're just starting your feminism journey, because it is simple. It's easy to get. The villains are very obvious, but it doesn't feel quite so cartoony as the book with the caveat being that the real world does not just end at the end of your rally. Usually there's more things that happen so there might be unrealistic expectations set up from that but it's entertaining enough it's fine um it's lighthearted. i think it's well suited for like the beginning point of a younger teen or any gender really to to think about casual sexism and why we should totally be smashing the patriarchy yeah it, it is it's almost a little too lighthearted, but it was fun and you know what sometimes you need a fun Sometimes you need a fun movie. The best part of this movie is the soundtrack. (laughs) And I will put that in our show notes because yes. Now, um, real fast, I want to say that there were some reviews that are worth noting. So Kirkus is like a pretty big book reviewing place, right? Okay. They, they review things ahead of time and then people read their reviews and their reviews can really affect pre-order sales and pre-order sales is how you get on like New York Times bestsellers list, et cetera. And this Kirkus review that came out for this book in 2017 is one of the worst paragraph reviews ever because it is all about, well, where are the 
boys. How come we didn't talk about the boys? This is so unfair to boys. Oh my god. Literally, <laughs> this review is yes. Um, I just have to. It says there are troubling moments when Vivian excludes willing male participants, seemingly suggesting that achieving female empowerment requires gender separation. Moxie moves dangerously towards vigilante justice when it's used to accuse a student of attempted rape. Uh, Vivian's incensed reaction when her boyfriend suggests its anonymous accuser might be lying ignores the American judicial system's core tenant of due process. Further, the novel fails to educate readers that qualified police investigators, not school officials, must be alerted in accusations of criminal behaviors. They literally, and that, and there's only like three other sentences of this review I didn't read. Oh this review God. missed the entire fucking point. Thankfully, they got majorly dragged, and there's a lot of like backlash against that review, which it deserves. So, yes, yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> cops are really, really bad at processing rape kits at you know, it's just the system in general if you ever look up statistics it is incredibly disheartening right and and i i understand why claudia wouldn't want to disclose to her parents i understand i just i think again though this is a time when this is the responsibility of the author to say but you should have a trusted adult right like that's the thing we tell kids like if you're scared or something if you if there's a teacher or someone at your church or your parent or your aunt or somebody because oh my god like nothing changes if nobody talks about stuff and you know again she tells vivian what happens and vivian doesn't tell her own mom and i just i found that horribly sad and terrifying that and and then it's just never really addressed claudia's assault is never addressed in the book yeah um you know i will say in the movie they actually show lucy going up and trying to say this is a problem and getting shut down and that's very early on when she's oh, doing when the she bullying says, thing yes well, lucy yeah. says you know he's dangerous and vivian's like no 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 he's just annoying and she's like no guys like that are dangerous and she's right she's proven right at the end yeah um, but it, again, it just, it was like, oh God, I mean, it just, it hurts. And you can believe it because that is a thing. Girls don't want to disclose for a variety of reasons, but it's tragic and it should be treated as tragic and not treated as this plot point and then forgotten about, right? It needs that, it needs more weight to it. So anyways, I know a lot of people have their opinions too about the, the movie and whether or not it was successful or not. You obviously didn't enjoy it as much as I did. Um, but, I did have a question for you. If hmm. you were a script doctor, how would you fix that ending? You know what? You ask so, me this every time. <laughs> I do. Well, I was thinking about it uh, because she has that college essay. I would like to see her in front of a college board at the end, you know, maybe giving a little so, or you do this for an essay and have her like explain, have a good sort of wrap up where you get her final thoughts and what she learned. That would have been good. Yes. I agree with that. You know, something about, I learned this. Folks, I learned something today. Don't eat paint. You know, whatever it was. Like, bunk, bunk on the head. I get it. But, like, she should have had something. Yes. Yeah. And she could have just said, like, oh, yeah, I had to do this because my school kicked me out or I was expelled. This is why I should still go to your institution. It's because this. You know, something where you have consequences and then you have a reason for those that shows greater character. Something. Yeah, yeah I, I would have really um, appreciated some consequences from her mom 
and like that i feel like we got but cheated she's the cool mom i don't care man i feel like we we got cheated out of a conversation between vivian and her mom and even really vivian and, like it was so fast it and it was already long like the movie's not short it's not a short movie and so that's it, what it felt like to me was they were like crap there's too much to do we'll just at the end everyone will nod and smile mom will just show up and will nod and smile and then everything's okay i would have really liked to have some resolution yeah. uh definitely even if it had just been an epilogue or like in the credits there could have been like like shots of the yearbook or something with like yeah. pictures and stuff and then it was like you know maybe i don't i don't know sports but like that's all fall right soccer and football and whatever so there's got to be some kind of springtime sport so maybe like girls field hockey took the championship in the spring you know and there was pictures of that and like you know maybe like there's the girls do soccer uniforms yeah they, something you know, thing in the news and that's in the newspaper instead of the football something, yeah, something. you know what i mean like it would have been it would have been kind of nice and then like something saying because mitchell was then like accused even if he didn't get prosecuted because it's months later and those rape cases are so hard to but his the accusation made him ineligible for that scholarship so kira because she ran she didn't win but she was because she ran because she showed up and tried she now gets that scholarship money like yeah. that would have been nice to see because part of the thing with the scholarship was like ex, you know is exemplary and shows the kind of student that we want blah 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 all of those like platitude things so being accused of rape is not one of those things right so he we we're inferring that he might have lost it maybe but it would have been nice to see that and have it be like you know kira wasn't even going to be nominated and it would have gone to nobody but because her friends nominated her at least she ran i actually kind of wondered why she didn't win if they had voted at the game or at the school like what the numbers were like it would have been kind of interesting but whatever like it would have been it nice was... to see some kind of resolution i i got the feeling that it was completely fall yeah like you know they were going to do the football player no matter what and so you don't know and it's really weird to do that during a football game and not during a school assembly well that's why i mean because it seemed like they were like go to the game and vote so then you're like okay even if like all the girls at the school and even some of the not all boys boys voted for kira if they go to if the voting happened at the game then you've got all those boosters and all those parents and all those people who are gonna vote for mitchell so yeah i it was that was it was messy whatever i but again so just to sum up the book was good it wasn't that long it was fun to read it was a fun little nostalgia thing the movie was fine it had some issues but it's worth your time i i would say they're both worth your time i just think that they they shouldn't exist in a vacuum so maybe a good starting point but you watch this movie maybe then you start listening to all the riot girl music and then maybe you learn more and then or it opens you know. the conversation to have with some with one of your children about it yeah yep because yep. it's a good conversation starting point as you know shown in this podcast yep so that's the end of our episode thank you so much jennifer this in case you are listening in real time is our 49th episode which is super exciting that means our 50th episode is right around the corner and we've got a bunch of fun cool 50th episode things going on this month so make sure you check out kmma media slash pages and popcorn podcast and you find pages and popcorn podcast and all the places where you find things like facebook and twitter and instagram and not pinterest and we will see you next time when we discuss another book versus movie and tell you is it worth your time thanks for listening mm -hmm.
you know, I have the memory of a goldfish and the bladder of a three-year-old. It's not very big, <laughs> but boy, does it affect my life. 